as you probably caught, both uh, Johanna and Terrence are Navajo. Uh, but students come from all over the country. We have usually 10 to 12 different tribes at any given time. Because of proximity and the size of the Navajo reservation, about half our student body is usually Navajo. So I'm not able to learn greetings in all the languages, but I do know a little bit of Navajo. So I want to greet you in the traditional way in Navajo, and you're going to return the greeting, OK? So I'm going to say, Nyate Abena, and you're going to say, oh, Nyate. You ready? Nyate Abena. Your Navajo is as bad as mine. So all right. Good. Well, thank you for having us here the, this morning. Uh, the, the relationship, I've been almost 15 years now at the college. And the, as, as Aaron said, the relationship here with Calvary Bible goes way back before uh, that time. Uh, my family and I uh, want to just say a special thank you to you all because we live in Timberline and we were evacuated under both fires. In fact, the fire swept through our property, burned about half of our acreage. We were sure our house was gone in that first fire and even questioning it in the second fire. And, and uh, when you as a church served the community with your, your free, uh, free sale, you know, when you uh, just completely decked out the building. We were staying in a hotel at that time, and we're blessed by that. And, and I just, uh, having Donny Park and Timberline having a, a thriving church that desires to serve the community is a beautiful thing. So good job on that, and, and thank you. In the uh, wider Western way, you introduce yourself by what you do. So I am the president, have been so for 14 and a half years now. But in the native way, you may have caught this, especially with Johanna, you introduce yourself by your relationships. So this is my uh, little albino clan. I like to joke that I'm from the uptight white tribe and the traditional regalia of the suit and tie I'm not wearing this morning. Um, and I intentionally chose the most recent picture of us traveling to see family up in Oregon, both born and raised. My wife and I moved to Phoenix to help plant a church 2006 and then 2008 here. Uh, both of us wanted to be missionaries all, all of our lives and God finally answering that desire uh, here with Native people where we hope to spend the rest of our lives in Flagstaff serving native people. But that is a messy car, right? Because community, uh, some of you are like, no, I've seen way worse. Because um, <laughs> community is messy. And you probably, you've all probably been getting that already through the series, right? If you need sanitization and control and everything going the way you want it, you're not going to thrive under life-giving community. And, and family, anybody feel the, some of the messiness of family this morning just trying to get here? Come on, I, you know, I saw a lot of people doing this, didn't want to raise their hands. <laughs> Community is messy. It's supposed to be. You just read the Gospels, the Life of Christ class, like Aaron talked about. Jesus' ministry was engaging in the mess of this world. And the text we're going to look at here this morning, related to Better Together, is going to, going to show a little bit of that, of that messiness and how we need vital life-giving relationships in the context of that community. So I'm so thankful <laughs> to have uh, be married to my best friend and have these these four delightful children, all of whom are trusting and following Christ, which is the greatest joy a father can have. Um, I am the hairiest president in the country, and I've met, I meet with presidents from Bible colleges all over the, the, the place, and they might have a beard, they might have long hair, but they usually don't have both. This is for my wife, who likes being married to a Viking mountain man. I don't understand it, but that's that's the way she rolls. Uh, this is for our students, and this is the walking lament for hundreds, hundreds of years of bad haircuts to Native men in the name of Jesus. So if you want to know more about that, you can ask me after. Um, so uh, a couple of a couple of fast facts about IBC, and then we'll jump into text of Scripture. For those of you who don't know much about any Bible college, three things. We're serious about transformation, not just information. You heard that, right? We'll change lives, not just filled heads. 
In fact, um, the Great Commission is not teaching everyone to know everything I've commanded you, but teaching them to obey, to observe everything I've commanded you. And then Jesus talks about how that's got to come from the inside out. Good trees supposed to produce good fruits. The overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. And uh, it's changed lives, not just changed behavior or filled heads that Jesus is after. And by, on college, the on-campus uh, student has the best opportunity to become more like Jesus. Uh, it's, it's, it's really a, an amazing approximation to the shared life approach that Jesus had with his apostles for those 18 months. After uh, We were sharing life with them in an ongoing way. And so we're passionate about this. Terrence, who spoke last, is about to graduate. He, well, we think. You know, pass your class of Terrence. But uh, he'll be done in May. And he, he's, he's going to be heading back home to Gallup area. And Terrence, like, is our goal for our graduating seniors from the bachelor's program, is actually leading a discipleship of his younger peers. And that's not a guarantee. He's got to er- really earn that by faithfulness, uh, living more like Jesus, grace and truth, having a shepherd's heart with a servant orientation, uh, and so we're committed to raising up disciple makers, disciples who make disciples who make disciples, which is the goal of the Great Commission. <laughs> Secondly, we're the only non-denominational Bible college for Native Americans in the entire country, and that includes Canada as well. So we have students from all over the country and sometimes other countries. Uh, and then that plus this next statement, we're committed to debt-free graduates. And that's why we function, yes, as a college, but also as a missionary organization. All of our full-time staff are have raised or are raising their support and we use a lot of volunteers every year because we believe that debt-free graduates are is the best way to prepare Native Americans to reach and to lead their own people and someday go around the world. Because our vision is someday Native Americans cease to be the mission field and become part of the mission's force. Native Americans have opportunities for the gospel globally around the world that maybe no other culture on the planet currently has. And I'd be glad to share more about that with you. Um, but in order to see that come to pass, we've got to graduate them with the degree, but not the debt. It so often comes from college education. So that's a Herculean undertaking, especially without a denominational infrastructure, right? There's no denomination out there, network out there, promoting, staffing, recruiting, uh, funding the school. It's grassroots. It's God's people hearing the story, the IBC story, and responding to God moving their hearts. And I hope that God may move a few of your hearts this morning, that you haven't been praying, or haven't been serving, or haven't been giving, and, and, and he might... He might call, call you to do one of those things. <clears throat> this uh, is one of our most, this is in fact our most recent bachelor's graduate picture. Four students from four different states from four different tribes, all of whom were leading discipleship groups of their younger peers before they walked in graduation this last May. And if, if you're interested at all in getting connected to the school, all Tuesday chapels are welcome to guests. You're welcome to come join us and uh, get, visit chapel, take a tour. Commencement we do outside every year, whether it's windy or not. It usually is. Uh, um, but love to, ha- love to have you come. We have four students, uh, I think all four of whom are here this morning, who are planning to walk, and they'll be dressed in the really cool combination of academic regalia, uh, along with whatever tribal uh, dress they, they choose to wear as well. Uh, and then this is one of my favorite pictures of my lifetime. This was at graduation a number of years ago where we had four older white missionaries standing next to the four younger Native leaders that were replacing them in that role. And you recognize, certainly recognize one of those guys. 
Mr. Bob there, yeah, standing next to Lucky Bigman, who is taking his job as business administrator. But now Bob serves, still serving as the office manager. And I love that, replacing ourselves uh, as a non-native person with, with a native leader and then <coughs> continuing to serve. Um, and from right to left, librarian, business administrator, director of work. And then on the far left-hand side there, the white guy with the white tie. Roger Scarborough is one of the most effective missionaries, 30 years amongst native people here in the Southwest. That young man next to him is Barlow Gasper, who's Zuni Pueblo. The Pueblo peoples are some of the least reached peoples of this continent. And that Roger led Barlow to Christ, discipled him, sent him to Indian Bible College. Barlow graduated and went home and took the youth pastor's position from Roger. That's exactly what we're about. And someday, Lord willing, I'll hand over my job to a Native American. Pray for me that I'm the last white president of this college. I want to be stubborn enough <laughs> to be, uh, to be, for that to be the case. So uh, thank you for uh, <clears throat> the chance to be here with you this morning. I want to mention to you this taco sale that you've been invited to be a part of. What, what is raising funds for is the annual school missions trip. We call it the Ministry Immersion Trip, or students will refer to the MIT. And this year, we're getting out of the Southwest. It's going to be uh, in, in another region of the country, and that takes more, more time and more money. And so, But helping students learn to become, develop some measure of self-sufficiency and interdependency is, is a part of, part of the process here. So if you uh, choose to have, have some tacos with us, we certainly appreciate that in the partnership. That trip comes the end of March, so it's coming up in just about two months. <clears throat> Better Together is the, is the series uh, that you're in, mostly from the book of Ephesians. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be invited to be a part of the series with you because, and I didn't ask either Terrence or Johanna to talk about this, but you heard community, you heard relationships, right? In, in their store and how dynamic that is. And, and, and I think it's so important, and Aaron even kind of mentioned this, that the, the call to healthy Christian community is not the call just to shared events, but it is called the call to shared lives. The American church is really good at sharing some events, some time together, but not sharing our lives together. First Thessalonians 2.8 says, Paul's writing to the church of Thessalonica, he says, we were content not just to give you the gospel of God as well, but, but, but also, you may know, our lives as well. We didn't just give you Jesus, we gave you ourselves. Shared life is not just a Pauline approach to ministry, it is a Christ-like approach to ministry and Jesus modeled that for his apostles, and then they did that, went and did the, did the same thing. We are created to be better together. And so Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 is the passage that, that Aaron uh, offered and suggested that, that we take this morning. And I, I love this passage because it's so practical. It's so down to earth. And it just has this list of kind of four different ways that we are better together. And if you read verse 9... It says, two are better than one. Two are better than one. We're better together than we are alone. Isolation is very often the tool of the enemy, especially if we choose it. Especially if we self-select into isolation rather than into community, into relationship, into dynamic interdependence upon other people. And this, this reminds us, I think, right, of, of <coughs> a couple of verses from Genesis 2. 1 and 2. Genesis 2.18, God looks at Adam in the garden and he says, it's not good that Adam is alone. Now this is, you got to understand that the dynamic, like leaping off the page of this not good. Because God, what did God say at the end of every day of creation? It is good. 
it is good, it is good, it is good. He creates humankind and he says, it is very good. But before there's sin, there's still something that's not good. There's a lack of relationship with peers. There's a lack of co-equal community. And, and, and God recognizes the, this need to create for Adam, not just a spouse, but a spouse through whom they can build a community of people on this earth. Something is not good, even though there is not sin yet on the earth. So often I think we, we come to despise our longing for relationship and view that as a sign of weakness. Can I just say, it is a sign of your strength. Your longing for meaningful, deep relationship is not a sign of your weakness. It is a sign of your strength. Because you and I, we back up one more chapter, were created in the image of the one who exists within community. See, Adam was created in the image of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who exists within this dynamic, beautiful, holy, heavenly community that is so vital that Adam needs it too. And it's interesting in the text of Genesis 2, God doesn't immediately create Eve. He has Adam go name the animals, in which I think Adam sees his own need. Because as he looks up, he sees Father, Son, Holy Spirit, community. As he looks down, he sees the animals, multiplicity of each of those, community. But as he looks sideways, there's nobody. There's no community of co-equals. Then God meets that need. We were created for community, for relationship with God, and for relationships with each other. And, and I heard this reference as I listened to some of the messages from recent as a part of the series in preparation for this morning. Our theology determines in so many ways the way we live, right? The American church has had a weak theology of the Trinity, a weak Trinitarian theology. And I would, I would suggest to you, Man, as we understand who Father, Son, Holy Spirit is, three persons, one God, and such dynamic community, we're created in the image of the God, the triune God. We're created for relationship. We're created for community. We're created to be better together. This is not just something we need because of the brokenness of the world. It's something we needed before sin even entered this world. We are indeed <coughs> created to be better together. And when we understand that we're created in His image, the one who exists within community, man, I, I need vital, life-giving community. And so do you. So as we look at uh, Ephesians 4, 9-12, through 12, there are f- kind of four practical aspects here, some of which have to do with our creation design, some of which have to do with living in a broken world infected by sin. Okay? And, and, and both, both show up here in these four things in Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift his companion up. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly you see, we need companionship according to the author of Ecclesiastes, who uh, scholars debate, I believe it's, it's Solomon. Solomon writes to, to say, we need relationship, we need to be in community before productivity. Because we have a better return for our labor. This is actually part of the creation mandate, right? Be fruitful and multiply, work the garden, subdue the earth, 
Even the naming of the animals, work is a part of our creation design. Now, work is cursed because of sin. It certainly is difficult. But we are created to be productive. We're created to work. We're created to work not alone. We're created to work together. We're created to work together in, so that we can be more productive, a better return for our labor. I don't know if you found that to be the case, but you're, you're doing something alone, and then somebody else joins you in that, and, and, and you, it's like one plus one equals three. Like, whoa, where did, the, where did this come from? It's, it's actually, we, we call that synergy. Like the, the, the sum of two parts actually have a more than the result and more than the sum of those two parts. That's the way it's been created. We've been created to see the most dynamic things happen, not in isolation, not when we're alone, but when we're together. Here's a little principle, straight from, the, I believe, the Word of God. Never do alone what you, what, that which you can do together. I learned, heard that years ago from a mentor of mine, Howard Henry. Howard Hendricks would often say, never go alone if you can take somebody with you in community or especially somebody that you're, that you're investing in. I was lamenting this morning. I don't have one of my kids with me. When I, when I go to speak and on behalf of the school, I often try to take my whole family or at least one of my kids. And, and I, was, <laughs> I was convicted of the fact I'm not exactly living this out this morning. There's reasons for that, what's going on in my home today. But <clears throat> never go or do something alone that you can do together in community. Productivity, good reward for the labor. Secondly, we need relationship, we need community for emergency assistance. Look at this. If one fall, if two people fall down, one can lift the other one up. If they fall, hey, let me help you up. Let, let, let me get you back up if you're walking. This is so true physically, but man, is it so true spiritually? Galatians reminds me of Galatians 6.1. If someone's caught in a sin, those of you who are spiritual should restore that person gently. Well, guess what? If you're not in relationship with somebody who's trapped in sin, you can't help restore them. There isn't a pre-existing relationship. Restoration isn't going to be possible with somebody who's defined by sin. But woe to the one who's alone when that person falls. You fall alone, oftentimes you will die alone. We need community. And this is certainly true within families. It's part of why God created husbands and wives and children, but even the single person uh, actually can make intentional choices. I didn't get married until I was 31. I thought I'd be get married at 21. I was a decade off. God's plans were very different than mine. And I had to make intentional choices when I recognized I have no live-in fellowship partner the way a married person does. I need to go find some fellowship partners, and I even need to go find some live-in fellowship partners with the same gender. So I actually chose to stop living alone so I could live in community. I think there's a, some practical dynamics of this where we recognize we need each other for productivity, for emergency assistance. Thirdly, we need each other, wrong guard, here we go, <laughs> for protection from the elements. Look at this. If two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? The idea of, of, of shared body heat, you, you, if you've ever watched, read the stories or watched the shows or documentaries about people stuck in the cold, and, and the sharing of body heat together, even back to back, we can keep each other alive in a way that would not be true if you had your space issues. <laughs> Don't touch me. <laughs> and this was written at a time where the only heat you had was heat you produced yourself, right? There was no electricity where someone else produced that heat and sent it to you, or the, or the power for that heat. You had to build a fire, or make that blanket, or, or snuggle up to somebody, in order to keep warm on a day like today. 
we need each other to, just to stay alive physically at times and spiritually the warmth. This reminds me of as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We are constantly helping each other grow and, and, and the warmth and vitality of life. And then finally, we need each other for protection from the enemies. And this might be the, the, the one of these four that's most clearly coming from this broken world. I think you can say that uh, <coughs> Adam and Eve certainly uh, had labor in, in the garden. It's possible that they could have fallen down in the garden and needed help up. I don't know. I don't think the garden was particularly cold necessarily. Uh, but as we go along here, the increasing application for us in this broken world, where this broken sin-infected world, that we need each other, both because of our creation mandate, both because of we're creating the image of the one who exists in community, but also because this life is hard. And the hardness, the difficulty of this life is not supposed to be faced alone. You heard that. I'll give maybe glimpses of that in both Hannah's and Terrence's testimonies, right? That, that in vital life-giving community, <clears throat> there is strength. There is vitality. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand that person. There are people out to get you. And if, if certainly, if, if you don't know many people, there is a spiritual enemy who comes to, as Jesus says in John 10, 10, to steal, kill, and destroy verse doesn't stop there, right? Jesus says, but I have come, the Son of Man has come that they might have life and, how's it finish? Have it abundantly. Jesus' goal for you and me is not just eternal life, but we're saved from, but abundant life, everything we're saved to. If I can put it this way, evangelism is bringing people into eternal life. Uh, discipleship is helping people walk in abundant life. And according to the clear teachings of Scripture, you, you and I cannot walk an abundant life alone. We were not saved to walk in isolation. We were saved to be a part of the body. And, and you're some part of the body if you are in Jesus. <clears throat> and we're created to walk together. And in fact, this last phrase of verse 12, a threefold cord is not easily or quickly broken. It's God actually in the midst of that relationship. <laughs> For us in, in the New Testament age, we know it's Jesus by His Spirit that, that brings us into the strength. Not just a two-chord strand, but a three-chord strand that really, if Jesus is at the center of that relationship, there is strengthening there. It provides productivity, assistance, protection from the elements and from the enemies. I, I want to en encourage you just very simply this morning, and for the sake of time, I'm gonna, uh, just with three quick quotes. First of all, from, from the Jewish Talmud, a man without companions is like the left hand without the right. Right? Uh, if you've ever seen a one-armed person or been a one-armed person because of injury or, or accident <clears throat> or having a cast, you understand you, you, can't, you need these two hands to work together. And this is a very simple proverb that helps us think about this. An African proverb that I just, I love this so much says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Now, I don't know if you've traveled around the world. My wife and I have. One of the things you notice as you start to look into other cultures is that my culture 
white American Europeans are the least relationally minded people on the planet. In other words, we're the most individualistic culture on, on earth. And, and so it's a struggle to get us to stop thinking just in individualistic terms because that's the way our culture is wired. And Scripture calls us not just to think about ourselves as individuals, but to think of ourselves as a part of a community. And that's why a, a sermon series like this is so important, uh, especially where it comes cross-cultural for, for the most individualistically-minded culture on the planet. So often in this country, we've chosen efficiency over effectiveness. Now, we should want both, but oftentimes we have to choose. Am I going to be efficient? Go fast. Am I going to be effective? Go far. And we have to know that we're going to have to choose effectiveness more than efficiency. We're going to have to go together rather than going alone. And I've watched. We can just see how many Christian leaders of recent days have functionally gone in alone because there's no one that really knows what's going on behind the curtain. And then they fall. They haven't gone far. They may have gone fast, but they functionally went it alone. And now there's this massive moral collapse that was going on the whole time. And we get to see it because they were going fast therefore they're going over so the bible says i'd suggest to you we're created in god's image to be better together we're created to go together so i don't know what that means for you but we all have choices and opportunities to choose right what am i going to do this alone or am i going to do this with somebody am i going to struggle alone or am i going to let people know what's going on with me am i going to rejoice alone or am i going to let people know what god's doing in my life we are better together because we are created to be better together. Creating in God's image for community for these four things as, as Ecclesiastes 4 talks about. As we wrap up, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for praying for any Bible college. Thank you for serving any Bible college. Thank you for giving and supporting the ministry of any Bible college so we can continue to raise up Christ-like servant leaders who can reach and lead their own people that someday we might see healthy Native leaders leading healthy Native churches that we might see a wave of healthy native missionaries going around the world. Pray with us for that to come to pass. And if you'd like to just have questions about how you can pray or how you can get involved, lots of people here can help answer that. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for creating us in your image for relationship with others. Thank you for the opportunities we have uh, <clears throat> in this world to be together to not go it alone, to choose community and not isolation, to choose to be mindful of those around us. That is, as, as Paul said in, in Philippians 2, that we can, in, in humility, even consider others' needs more important than our own. That we cannot, as Terrence said, choose selfishness and self-absorption and the narcissism that so naturally comes from this painful world, but living supernaturally in Christ Jesus. Walking out not just eternal life, but abundant life together. Not just in shared events, but shared lives. Would you help Calvary Bible Church? Would you help Indian Bible College to continue to choose to be the soma, the body of Christ, hands and feet of Jesus in this broken and dying and struggling world together, not trying to go alone? In Jesus' name.